and the last word with Matt Cooper. We have a national AI strategy, apparently. We're joined by the Minister for Trade Promotion, Digital and Company Regulation, Dara Kaliri. Good evening to you, Minister. So what is our national AI strategy? Uh, well, we have a strategy in place for the last two years. It's based on seven pillars. Today, we're publishing a review of that, uh, looking back at some of the key achievements, but also uh, making it very clear we want to do more. Some of those key achievements, Matt, are that we have a national AI ambassador in Dr. Patricia Scanlon, who's done a huge amount of work in this space, getting out there, talking uh, about AI, doing various interviews. We uh, had a superb event last October uh, where just over 40 teenagers from across the country came together in a national youth assembly in AI. We've established Ireland's first national um, designated AI hub, which is CEDAR at UCD. That is rolling out and working with businesses across the country. In addition, we have €85 million Euro between now and 2026 uh, to assist businesses in digital transition. And we've also just, we've also been involved uh, internationally through the OECD, through the Council of Europe, and most importantly, through the EU and the AI Act, which will be the first worldwide uh, multi-country legislation uh, at EU level. Uh, that is for going into its final stage of negotiation. We should hopefully have agreement on that by early next spring. Uh, with a view to implementing it um, throughout 2025. Does that mean exactly the same AI rules will apply in every member state of the EU? Yes, uh, that is the um, that is the plan. It has been agreed at Parliament level. It now goes into ministerial uh, level and to leader level. It's based on um, ascribing various risk levels: uh, medium, high, high, medium, low risk. Uh, there are some uh, AI practices that would be absolutely banned in the current proposal, but that's subject to discussion uh, between now, as I said, more possibly uh, between now and Christmas, probably more than likely uh, early spring that we'll get agreement at EU level on it. Okay, what so, sort of things would be banned and why? So there will be some issues that would be banned. So firstly, you know, for instance, it's been done by proportionate uh, risk-based approach uh, and that absolutely aligns with what we're trying to do here in Ireland as well, Matt. Our key part of the strategy is that it's ethical, is that there's public trust in it, uh, and all of the seven pillars on that. And at EU level, they've identified uh, some practices. So, for instance, social scoring, where um, people's uh, online behaviour dictates how they may be treated publicly. That's out um, in the current proposals, but these are all up for final discussion. Yeah, and are we moving change. fast enough, though, given the pace of change with the tech companies and what they're introducing, and given that a lot of it's been introduced from America and from Asia, are we moving fast enough to counteract some of the negative consequences, or is that even possible? I think we are, uh, Matt. We're moving fast as fast as is possible uh, to try and get uh, agreement at EU level on any issue. It can take many, many years. This is moving quite quickly. Um, but also, we have to be careful in that moving in the way we are, that we don't set down legislation that becomes redundant immediately, that this is moving fast, as you said, that um, we need the legislation to be flexible. We also, Matt, need to make sure there are many opportunities uh, coming from AI so in the last couple of weeks, you'd have seen a lot of uh, coverage around the healthcare benefits, around the ability to read scans more quickly. We've got to make sure that the innovation and the economic opportunity that comes with, with AI isn't lost to the yeah. EU by well, over-regulation. Will it so be applied in Ireland, for example, in our health sector? Because we know, 
that in the last number of decades, as new technologies have emerged, which has made the private sector far more efficient and quicker in its delivery of services, that the public sector has been appallingly slow in adapting those. My God, we don't even have tablets or iPads in our hospitals for the doctors and nurses to use to communicate with each other. We're still on paper-based files all the time. Are we going to go straight from paper-based files to using artificial intelligence in the health system, even though it might use but bring about enormous efficiencies? Look, we, we will ensure, it is our job in, uh, to ensure that the standards are in place, that the benefits of AI and that the ethos of AI in terms of it, uh, of our strategy, ethical, person-centred, that that goes uh, at the heart of our policy. We're working with colleagues across government to see the benefits of it. We're working with colleagues, for instance, in the Department of Further and Higher Education to make sure we have the skills in place. We're in very early stage, Matt, of all of this technology. But I would certainly like to think that once this technology has been proven, uh, that once we see the benefits of it, it would be rolled out. But why would but it be when we, have failed, when we have failed utterly in the public service, particularly in the health system, to introduce new technologies sufficiently in recent decades, particularly in relation to things like administration, for fear that it would cost jobs? Look, I think there's going to be a debate about this, and this has been highlighted already by you too. Uh, in terms of job displacement. Um, but equally, there's a potential new jobs as well. And I certainly want to have that discussion. That's why I'm setting up an AI advisory council. I'm issuing an invitation to anybody with an interest or with experience in this space to come on board to a national uh, AI advisory council that will advise government and that we will have that up and running uh, during the autumn we will have it up and running to give me uh, a steer in relation to the EU legislation, but also in relation to the issues you've just mentioned about jobs, about technology. But we're but a sorry, long Minister, way because from- there's an awful lot of people in the private sector who are very fearful for their jobs, particularly those that are involved in administration or who might be involved in work that admin- administration work, such as maybe legal services, accountancy, whatever, that these can be done by AI and that their employers are going to introduce them quite quickly. Now, maybe these people will find other jobs. Maybe there will be something to prevent that happening. It's unlikely. But if you take certain aspects of where the state is dominant. Healthcare being one particular aspect. I'll give you another one, policing, where there must be enormous potential to use AI to help Gardaí do their work more efficiently and more quickly. Or even in the civil service itself, in all of the government departments, in making sure that work is done faster and better and cheaply, more cheaply. Is the government going to have the will to take on the trade unions in relation to that if the use of AI means the jobs are going to be lost? So firstly, Matt, the first thing to recognise, a lot of the decisions uh, taken by civil servants have people at the end of that decision. And it's important that there's a human element in taking that decision. Uh, secondly, in terms of the products, in terms of the technology, we are not at a stage yet where we can make a call on its efficiency. A lot of it is an early stage development. That is why I'm getting this AI Advisory Council together now at this stage so that it will be together, it will be in place as technology is advancing. Um, you know, we will have that when we know and when we see fully what the potential of various AI products are, then you can have that kind of discussion. But let's be very clear, uh, you know, we want people to be at the centre of our AI policy, uh, people to be at the centre of AI technology, 
And at the end of the day, decisions that involve people's lives have to have a person and a human input into it. Yeah, but then what confidence can we have that those will be implemented properly? Because if we're talking about human lives, in the health service, we have inefficiencies and slowness which can often lead to death or greater illness because of the fact that we have a paper-based system where departments and hospitals don't necessarily talk to each other via technology and most certainly the hospitals themselves are nowhere near as advanced in dealing with each other as they should be as the technological capabilities we have before AI could do. And we want them to get there. We want them to get there in a manner that is fair and that is efficient and that is involved in partnership. And I think there is a, a thirst to do that, particularly following the um, the cyber attack in 2021, the consequences that had. There is a willingness to actually go there. There's a willingness to go there to improve in making people's experience better. Uh, what I'm saying is that by setting up the AI Advisory Council, for which I'm issuing that invitation again, we can have those opinions around the table and we can have those debates and discussions around the table now and we can be ready for when the actual technology is in a position that it can be implemented. Okay, thank you very much, Dara Kaliri, Minister for Trade Promotion, Digital and Company Regulation. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.